we're going to go ahead and get started. Okay. Go ahead and get started. We're going to go ahead and get, get started. started. <laughs> Didn't bring any cookies this morning, but I did bring a uh, olive branch. To, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So we appreciate everybody being here. We know more people might be trickling in, but we want to um, make sure we get started on time. We do know there is another group that comes in after us. We have been late at leaving. So I've asked Jane Ann to be our timekeeper when she waves the white flag. That means we've got to start wrapping it up. And if there's other questions, that'll take place. We'll try to find a way outside and, and continue those conversations. Um, but thank you for being here. In advance, I have to apologize about the cough I have. It is a asthma-related bronchial issue, and when it starts, I just keep coughing. So um, I'm okay, but I apologize in advance. And so as an introduction, I am LaDonna Reed. And I'm Mark Kipp. And so I've been, for those that don't know me, I've been here for about five or six years. And I just started probably a year and a half ago coming here with LaDonna. Yes. And so... We do have a shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> September 14th, so um, those invitations should be online, and if you didn't get it, come see us. We found out that they were getting caught in spam and all that. So um, we wanted to start this class out. This is the third class that we've had. Um, it started out when we had a guest speaker. Our elders and um, leaders have brought in Doug Glofflin to talk about racial um, unity and diversity in the church, and so um, from there it spurred on a lot of conversation, and so then there was a group of us that met that said we will, would like to participate teaching a class afterwards, and so um, <coughs> that is kind of what led us to this. Also, before Don came, I had had some, um, I'm not going to call them incidents, but things that came up that involved um, some responses from people at the church. And so I had went to the elders and preachers to talk about it, and ironically, then we had Don come in. So that kind of coincided with everything as well. So now we'll want to go review some of the goals of the class. Um, we've gone through this before, um, but first of all, uh, love first. We want you to practice that instead of hate or uh, anything else. Love, uh, respect. Um, so. We want to do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And next, again, these goals, we're repeating them from the last class, but listen, Proverbs 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinions. And so we know many of you have comments and thoughts, and we're hoping that you're coming to understand um, because nobody wants to be a fool. So we know that you want to, uh, we do want to hear your comments and thoughts, and we'll have time for that as well. We also encourage you to ask questions. Um, we're not here just to tell you how things are. We want you to um, give us feedback, talk about it, um, ask questions from James 1, 5 through 6. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And then last, the last goal of the class was about thinking, feeling, um, Colossians 3, 17. <coughs> uh, 
whatever you do in word or deed, um, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus and give thanks to the Father through him. So those are, again, we just want to reiterate, um, those were the goals for the class. And we're hoping that you understand, although some have said, well, hey, wait a second, um, is this just a black-white issue? Um, we're talking about what we know. Right now, there's a lot of conversation in our country that involve a lot of different disparities and a lot of <coughs> different issues in different cultural settings. We are not going to solve that in this class, nor do we have the answers for that, but we want to do our best to try to talk about it. So I know there's been comments, um, we're addressing some of those from the last class that said, hey, what about this um, ethnic group or minority group? We only have 25, 30 minutes of the class, so that's why we didn't address everything all at once. But we want you to understand, and each of us is a little of all of us. We have a couple of readings here um, that we'd like to, to share with you. Um, one uh, from Romans 12, verse 16. Love and harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Um, anybody have any comments or anything on that? We'd like to hear it. Um, I think it's uh, a very insightful uh, reading of uh, verse for us to continue with this class. And, um, another one is from George Washington Carver. I'm sure most of you know who he is. If you don't, um, raise your hand and we can let you know who he is, um, but he says, fear of something is at the root of hate for others, and hate within will eventually destroy the hater. Um, very, very insightful again. Um, we Hate is a very powerful and um, horrible thing to do. To uh, So we don't want, we want you to love first and not hate, so. If anybody needs to know who George Washington Carver is. Um, he was um, a slave. His family was taken. And at one point, um, the neighbor wanted to make sure they, they found out where the family was. They were only able to find George. His mom and sister were sold into slavery as well. And so he became um, a agricultural scientist and inventor. Usually people attribute him as the inventor of peanut butter. But he was the person that invented 300 ways to use peanuts and was trying to help the farmers, both black and white, um, to you instead of just utilizing cotton a way to make sure that they can use other crops like peanuts. And that's kind of where um, that came from. <clears throat> so we want to say what's in a name. And I know this is being recorded, so I'm going to try to hold on to this so they can still hear. I walk around when I present. So when I attended the church, there were a lot of people that addressed me in different ways. My name is LaDonna. And there were times where people would say, oh, I have a colored friend like you. Or they'd use a certain phrase that I thought, okay, not politically correct at this day and age. But we did want to bring up that when I have, I'm the youngest sibling of three. My brother's two, three years older. My sister's five years older than me. But when my sister was born, her birth certificate had said Negro, describing her ethnic and origin. When my brother was born, his birth certificate said um, black. Okay, And then when I was born, my birth certificate said African-American. So within all a different span of several years, again, my sister's only five years older than me, and our birth certificates were different each time. 
So um, we wanted to bring that up. <coughs> I think in the last class, someone had brought up some questions about the word of colored. And so we wanted to, again, just in a few minutes, kind of raise why that word has the significance of why it may be something you may not use now. <coughs> um, the more politically correct phrase to use is person of color. So that describes someone that is non-white. <coughs> you can be Asian, you can be Latina, you can be of a different ethnicity, but when you say that someone is a person of color, which is a <coughs> phrase you can use, it just means they are non-European, not white. And so when you see those images of white and colored that we saw during the Civil Rights Movement or the Jim Crow era, that's what the connotation brings up now. And so there was a Sunday where every Sunday someone kept coming to me saying, oh, it's good to see a colored person here. And I thought, I've got to find a way to educate them. And so we wanted to bring that up. Yes. 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 So is there a reason for that because of the history that's behind that and the and I don't know if memories is the right word, but um, the, those those things that happened in the past that are associated with that particular term is that why it's not one that is uh, seen as good to use? Correct. Okay. Yes, and I think that's a good way of putting it. Just if you're referencing <coughs> something again from the past that has that negative connotation, um, we want to move it forward with something more politically correct, more appropriate. There are certain groups that still use the word colored, the NAACP, that's in their name, the National Advancement of Colored People. They're not going to change the title of their name because of the reference of what they do. But <coughs> if you were speaking to someone that was non-European, you could describe them as a person of color. And so I know Gina's last class um, in New York, they had brought that up and there were some questions about that. I did want to bring up <coughs> an issue that we saw um, someone had said, well, in the first class, well, you're not talking, you know, if we're talking about disparities or um, different in ethnicity, if you go to another country, it means something different. And so I just, <coughs> as you can see on the screen, um, found an, an, ish, uh, an image of what that might look like if we're talking about someone that's black aborigine or black African. And so this was just some picture that um, to raise your consciousness about that. Any sure. questions so far? So, since we brought up that shameless um, plug for our wedding, <laughs> we uh, wanted to bring your attention um, a movie and also a documentary on uh, the Lovings. So, in 1958, Mildred Jeter and Richard Loving lived in Virginia. Virginia was one of the states that uh, um, outlawed interracial marriage back then. So what they did was they wanted to get married, so they moved, They went up to Washington, D.C. and got married in Washington, D.C. and then uh, uh, moved back down to Virginia. Shortly after that, they were arrested because of the law against interracial marriage. Um, the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties, Liberties Union, found out about that and wanted to uh, help them out. So they uh, brought their case to the Supreme Court. And in 1967, 
they overturned the uh, interracial, the ban, the laws against interracial marriage. Um, so this is a, um, a clip from that movie that we would love for you guys to, to watch sometime. I'm gonna build you a house right here, our house. Take me out up to DC and get married. Are you sure about that? By the power vested in me by the District of Columbia, I now pronounce you husband and wife. of the United States. You think you'll lose? We may lose a small battle, but win the big war. Is there anything you'd like me to say to the Supreme Court justices of the United States? Yeah. Tell a judge I love my wife. So, if that hadn't happened in 1967. <laughs> you know, this wasn't that long ago as well. We just wanted to bring up a movie that if you, how many of you have seen that before? And so it's just a good movie to, again, reflect about at the root of everything. Um, there should be love about it. Thank yeah. goodness um, those laws were changed so that we can be married. Um, yes, Ruth? He said, tell the judge that I love my wife. Um, the actor is very portrayal of the, the actual character. Yeah, um, the descriptions, the way he talked, and so yes. <coughs> yeah. So that was something that we wanted to bring up. Um, at the focus of everything, whether we're talking about black-white issues, we need to keep at the root... <laughs> understanding of everything is that God created all of us. And for those, um, raise your hand if you've had a chance to travel the world and see other countries. Great. For those that haven't, did raise your hand, get a passport and go. <laughs> it is eye-opening to see that 
when I would go to another country working with the Olympics, I would look at the people and the culture there and I would just tell myself, God made them. They have a purpose. They may not believe in what I believe in. We may not uh, live our daily lives the same, but at the end of the day, God made them. He has given them talents to use, hopefully that they can find <coughs> him as the creator um, to understand that. And I wanted to say something along the lines of the loving Zen this too. That happened in my lifetime, your lifetime. It's not happening hundreds of years ago, and it's still going on. So um, we we need to keep that in perspective. Okay, Ruth, we're gonna ask you. <laughs> we have another video. We're into visual. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, this video, to me. Is very powerful. Um, if the world was just one point four, seven point five billion people in the world right now, that's hard to break that down and, and see. We have our own little world. We have our own little lives. Um, but seven point <laughs> five billion people gives you you can't imagine what that breaks down into. So what this video does, it breaks them down into a hundred people, socially, economically, religiously, and so forth. So you can get an idea, a better idea of the diversity out there, of how the population, the world's population, is broken into, broken out into. And it gives you an idea of what we can do, um, how we can deal with it in a better light. So let's watch this video. I may have to start it over just a second. It's a quick, it starts right away, so. If the world was just 100 people, this is what it would look like. 50 would be female and 50 would be male. 25 of us would be 0 to 14, 66 would be 15 to 64, and 9 would be 65 and older. When it comes to geography, 60 would be from Asia, 16 would be from Africa, 10 would be from Europe, 9 would be from Latin America and the Caribbean, and 5 would be from North America. When it comes to religion, 31 would be Christian, 23 would be Muslim, 16 would not be religious or not identify with any religion. 15 would be Hindu, 7 would be Buddhist, and 8 would believe in other religions. And when it comes to our first language, 12 would speak Chinese, 6 would speak Spanish, 5 would speak English, 4 would speak Hindi, 3 would speak Arabic, 3 would speak Bengali, 3 would speak Portuguese, Two would speak Russian, two would speak Japanese, and 60 would speak other languages. And when it comes to literacy, 86 would be able to read and write, 14 would not. And when it comes to education, only seven would have a college degree. 78 would have a place to shelter themselves from the cold and the rain, 22 would not. 91 would have access to safe drinking water, 9 would not. 11 would be undernourished, 1 would have HIV, and 1 would have tuberculosis. And this shocked me. 11 people would live on less than $1.90 per day. 82 of us would have electricity, 18 would not. Only 65 of us would have cell phones, and only 47 of us would have access to the internet. There's three huge lessons that I learned from all of this. The first one is that it makes me appreciate diversity. 
how boring would it be to live in a world where everyone was just like us? Imagine if everyone in your life talked like you, thought like you, walked like you. The world would be a boring place. There'd be no new cultures to explore, no new languages to learn, no new adventures to be had. The second thing I learned is it makes me more grateful for what I have. When we see the disparity in the numbers, we recognize how fortunate we truly are. And the third thing, we get activated and engaged and realize how much work there still is to do in the world. We all have so many opportunities for service, to make a difference in the lives of others, to heal people's physical and mental challenges, to let go of our apathy and be enthusiastic about serving and helping and making an impact on humanity. As Muhammad Ali said, service to others is the rent we pay for our room here on Earth. So again, 7.5 billion people is a lot to think about. But 100 people brings in more in perspective as to what we can do um, to incorporate diversity into our own lives. So, any thoughts? <clears throat> any questions, any thoughts? going through your heads right now. So we, again, we liked, um, we wanted to use that video just to show you that the, the understanding of, again, if we took the world and put them into 100 people, what that would look like. And so then we ask ourselves, when we look at our church, does that look like we're trying to diversify and reach out to God's people that are out there that may not look like you, that may not talk like you? Um, I had this discussion with a coworker recently about what we were going to be talking about, and she's a native to Colorado. Um, yes, native, native to Colorado. Family is military, but they mainly were here. And she says, if I went to your church as a, a white person, it would be very challenging for me um, to bring someone else in of a different culture. I don't have a lot of friends and from a different background other than co-working with me. Um, she went to a college at least, again, just didn't have the friends that seemed to evolve around diversity. And so we wanted, <coughs> sorry, we wanted to hear from you guys. What do you think would be like or what challenges you would face asking coworker, neighbor, someone that's of a different ethnicity to come to church? No challenges? <laughs> it's easy. In the back? It's easy. In the back? I, I think that it might have some challenges because I think my friends would come in and say, it's not really diverse. But I would say, growing up in Texas, and this would be one of the most diverse conversations I've ever been in. And it's the most open to all of the different, you know, recognizing that everybody is exactly the same. There are still areas of the country where it is really, really segregated. Mm -hmm. And so, to me, I feel like we've done a great job mm -hmm. here, and we're doing a great job. To somebody, to a person of color who came in, they would say, well, but, you know, 95% of you look like you, not mm -hmm. like me. And I... It would be a challenging conversation, I think. Okay. But I think that this particular congregation, they would find that they are very open and accepting and loving and 
I think when, um, thank you for sharing that. <coughs> when we did the panel with Eddie and Baruch on stage, those, raise your hand if you were not at that, um, that day. Okay, just gives me an idea. Um, we were brought on stage, um, Tony and Brenda, Mark and myself, and Eddie and Baruch, and we had the discussion about what it's like to be a minority in a predominantly white church. And I did get across. I came here four, five, six years ago with my daughter on Easter Sunday and just felt the love from everybody. I didn't come back home thinking, well, that 95% white church was just fantastic. That wasn't anything that crossed my mind. It was mainly these people showed me love. And I was a person needing to be connected with God. I had left another church. <coughs> I wouldn't say bounced around, but sort of had a variety of different churches I'd gone to and, and really wanted to find a home for me and the girls. And I felt that here. And so that is, like you said, a church has done a great job. We just want to continue <coughs> that forward. <coughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> uh, from your perspective, how does our church compare to the community at large? All I mean, this is a military community, so you do see a lot of diversity. I work on base. I'm um, a personal trainer, <coughs> and I work in the Olympic movement for 15 years. So in the Olympic movement, that's where I really saw <coughs> more diversity. Obviously, there's athletes from all over the world that come to train here at the Olympic Training Center. So, you know, I used to tell my friends, this brings back such a good feeling being in the Olympic Training Center <coughs> because one day I'm standing next to someone that's Filipino and Korean, and then the next day it's someone that's from... Um, Maori or some other place in Africa and just all over the world. And so you saw it constantly. And it was a great feeling to see that diversity. Um, I think our community, or your question about the church, I think our church is doing a good job. Um, I could have even asked that question, how many of you, <coughs> regardless of race, ethnicity, are willing to invite someone else to church? And still there might have been some silence in the room with that. So it had nothing to do with really black or white or different ethnicities. That's something our should be <coughs> a goal, but I think our church is improving as well. I was just going to say that I don't know, I don't feel very comfortable inviting anyone to church service. Um, it's just not, I don't know, it's not something that I would think of doing. But we have often invited friends to things like treat night or resurrection celebration or um, more activities that they can bring their kids to. And we've actually invited um, two different Italian families. So they're still European, white, but they speak, I mean, they didn't speak English. <laughs> and um, our church was very welcoming to them and greeting them and um, complimenting their cooking that they brought and um, and trying to talk to them even though their, their English was very, very limited. Um, so I, I think that, at least for me, my degree of comfort with inviting someone has zero to do with cultural background and everything to do with church and the world and do people want to be invited to church and or do you build relationships first or much more of that. So, our neighbor um, is Japanese and how long has she lived next year? 10 plus years. And it's just been a process with her like pouring into her life and just kind of 
listening and she's read the Bible straight through probably four times. But she's come on Easter with us and Linda has just totally loved on her. Like, it's funny. I feel like she's someday we'll see her in heaven and we've all, Esai has had a little part in her life all around. And then the ethnicity, like the race has not been, like she feels loved. Like, and she is not afraid to challenge us on, it's more of a Christianity block, I think, mm. you know. And so, but I'm thankful for Eastside and how they just, how so many women have just picked up and loved on her. No matter. Yeah. That's good. Anybody else? Comments, questions? I'll just uh, say that. <laughs> something for people to think about is we can we can view the same thing through different lights um my, our daughter was in town the sunday that you all did the panel okay and while while realizing that east side has a long way to go in some areas i was you know Kind of proud of the fact that we were doing this and i asked my daughter afterwards what she thought and she said that just didn't go nearly far enough <laughs> so you know the same you know two people saw the same thing and, and took away a different attitude toward it and i i mean i'm sure that's the way it is in this class and the clips that you all showed and, the, and the, all the discussion over the last few weeks you know we we're hearing we're all hearing the same words but we're interpreting it through our filters and it's it's hitting different areas and i think that's what we want to bring out is um there is there are different views i mean with Ladonna, when i first met her i had different views of the world because i was not involved i was not in her world involved in her world so there's some things that i thought Oh, that doesn't really happen. It can't really happen, but it does. And I think uh, to use a younger generation word, you need to be woke. And not to replace it with where we are with our church. We can say we're doing a good job. We we are. Uh, we can feel we're a diverse church. Um, if we continue to say that we are this, we are this. We're not gonna. We're not going to grow any further. We need. We, we get complacent with that, and say that we do anything. And I think these classes are not to um, single out anything really, but to just keep people aware of what's going on. So. Yes, sure. So I think there probably needs to be a distinction between emotionally diverse and physically diverse. So growing up in Memphis with all of its history in the civil rights movement and things like that, the church that we were at did a very good job of being involved in the community. It was, if you just took a snapshot of the congregation, it would appear more diverse. There was a larger Hispanic community, a larger African-American community. So. On the surface, it would appear that it was much more diverse and integrated than the East Side is, because the population was much more diverse. Colorado Springs is 90 plus percent white, so 
just taking a step back and saying, oh, because we only have, you know, a handful of African-American couples in our church doesn't mean that we're not as diverse as they are because we never had this type of a class. We never had these conversations in that church. So just because we don't have as great of physical diversity in our congregation doesn't mean that we're not doing maybe even a better job of outreaching Mm -hmm. to people. That's very good. I know um, Mark and I (coughs) were, after the first class that was taught, had conversations. And then the second class, we were out doing some yard work and having conversations again. How many of you found yourself, whether it's with a spouse, whether it's with another church member, talking about the class? Either one. How can I see by a show of hands? Whether it was an emotional response, whether you were saying, feeling like, "Hey, I want to tell them they said something wrong," or "I want to make sure they don't," you know, repeat it that way. The goal of the class was to have people have conversations, and so when my girls would attend church, <coughs> I'd always ask them, "So, what do you think about what you know, preacher Eddie said?" I'm like, well, I don't know. And I'm like, no, you, you, you know something. He said something for 20, 30 minutes. What out of that did you what, what out of that did you walk away hearing? And so I would always challenge them to say, talk about what you heard. If not, you're just sitting there in your room in your seat. And, you, you know, you may be absorbing something, but I really want you to walk away to be able to verbalize it. And so we're hoping that you guys, after this class, some of you have come to... <coughs> Brenda or Tony or, or Gina or I and Mark and, and had side conversations, that's great because that means you're wanting that dialogue and you're wanting to be open about what's being discussed rather than just saying, hey, that was great, Mark and Donna, great mm-hmm. great class, and then you just kind of never, it just kind of leaves. So, sorry. The goal is to have those conversations. And again, this started out by me coming to church, hearing people address me in a certain way or... Um, uh, we have had people I've, I mentioned <coughs> talk about the unity that we're about to have in September um, feeling that that's a thing that shouldn't be and so we wanted to address that uh, the you know this east side is is uh, uh, has some diversity and I think it's important that the diversity uh, is here and that that we uh, understand, though, that what we really need to strive for is not diversity, but unity in that diversity. Uh, that and uh, we have a way to go still because we're dealing with people and they come, they approach uh, life with different worldviews. But unity is, I think, the, at the crux of it. Every person that walks in this building. Uh, regardless of uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. sorry. feel like they're united as one. Yeah. 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 We need to work on that. And I, I would like to say too, coming from, I went to Woodman Valley uh, before I started coming here. Large congregation, but diversity there, I didn't really, they didn't discuss anything like that. I never saw anything like that. Um, I'm, I know there was, but. Having a smaller congregation like this to, to be able to talk about it, to be able to, to bring up the subject easily, actually, I mean, it seems pretty fairly easily that we've been able to do this, um, 
is, I think, a wonderful thing. And to bring that also out into your lives, away from the church, is what we want to emphasize, too. So, Christy? Uh, along those lines, um, after undergrad, I had, had the chance to go do campus ministry in Thailand and um, lived there for um, a little less than two years in, in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And um, while I was there, I was just struck by several things. But one of the things I was struck by was, um, you know, we... We tried to learn the culture, we tried to learn the language, and we tried to um, be very respectful of the culture that we were in to the best of our ability. We definitely <laughs> made some uh, snafus every once in a while. Um, but what was wild to me was um, once we were there for a while, um, I had several of my Thai friends say, um, uh, you are Thai, or, you know, had strangers um, think I was Thai. And, I, I mean, mm. looking in the mirror, um, I, I don't feel like I, I look very Thai, you know, but a lot of people thought I was either half Thai, like my parents were, you know, European and Thai, or... Um, that kind of thing, and I thought it was so interesting that when when we allow ourselves to enter into the world of someone else and, and really learn who they are, um, and we try to do our best to, to learn what it's like to be them, they start to see us, and we start to see those similarities and those commonalities versus what makes us different or what makes us, um, you know, divided or um, this is other, mm -hmm. you know, but instead people, people thought I was Thai. Right. And, um, and so that, that stuck with me, you know, that when we enter into each other's worlds, mm -hmm. we see, mm -hmm. I think, more commonality right. you know, yeah. or those things that we can connect on. Right. Just tying into what Kristen said, we should. Uh, <laughs> that was a horrible, unintentional pun. Adding on to what Kristen said. So, as Christians, you know, we yeah. we are our own. We're a nation. We're Christian, mm -hmm. and I'm not talking about this nation. I'm talking about worldwide. Christians mm -hmm. are the kingdom of God, and as such, when we get to know each other in our in our differences and bring those together into that unity that Ted was talking about, we become Christian. We don't become a white Christian or a black Christian or a Mexican Christian. We're Christian, and I think that's crucial. To growing that unity that we were talking about, and how the more that we try to be Christ-like, mm -hmm. the more that we just become that, we just right. become Christ. Okay, no, that's a perfect that's segue, perfect segue. <laughs> into <laughs> this last video that we wanted to show. Some of you may know have seen this video, but we're just going to play. It's only a few seconds long. 
come to the end of our presentation again, we just want to emphasize that this class started out with uh, conversations on diversity and some black and white issues and other issues that have been brought up in the church, but we want to really emphasize that in totality we are one, and so we know God um, has a plan for all of us, and that is our focus, whether we are black or white or any other ethnicity. And so we're going to have Mark, if you can lead us in prayer at the end. Uh, we'd appreciate that. So great. Our Heavenly Father, we, we're so thankful for um, the opportunities that we have to be able to have these discussions. And Lord, we, we know that these are difficult discussions. These are, these are not easy topics. And this is why for years we've kind of shied away from having these kind of conversations. But Lord, let's... Let's hope that these conversations can bring us closer together as a family, bring unity in understanding each other's differences so that we can be better families and be better Christians, so that we can continue going out into the world, that world that might be next door or around the country, so that we can continue spreading your word. And through your son's name, Lord, it's, it's our hope and our prayer. Amen. Thank you. Hey, I'm Eddie White, the senior minister for the Eastside Church of Christ. Sure want to thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I hope today's message was indeed a blessing to you. I'd like to invite you to browse our website at eastsidesprings.com to get more information or to contact us. And as always, we indeed welcome you to join us for our worship service in Colorado Springs every Sunday at 1040 a.m. as we seek to live out Jesus' mission of making disciples of all nations.